0: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There, a podcast where we take a wild approach to work and management.
1: Naked mole rats. They might be ugly little creatures, but they actually hold the secret to efficient and highly functioning societies. The way they thrive, as well as survive, is through a complex hierarchy that brings the best out of each wrinkly little mammal. Without that system, there would be chaos. I'm Liana Brindad, head of Yahoo Finance UK. Turning to the workplace, is hierarchy a force for good, even with high profile company collapses? Or do we need to push beyond traditional constructs and look towards the increasingly popular new systems like flat structures? Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Joining me today is Jerry Brown. He's the author of The Independent Director, The Non-Executive Director's Guide to Effective Board Presence. And he's also the chairman of NovaQuest Capital Management, a private equity firm focused on life sciences.
2: Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: And joining me is Sophie Thien. She's the head of HR and culture at fintech consultancy 11FS and who has also worked at Revolut, Ford and IBM. And not only that, she's also a mentor and career coach. Thanks for having me. Hello. So today we're talking about naked mole rats. They are pretty revolting. If you haven't seen them, you should Google them right now. Or not, they are really, really gross. But apart from that, there's actually a lot that we can learn from them. They live in a complex hierarchical structure. And scientists say that this actually helps them live for longer. So the question is, what do we think about companies built on a hierarchy? And before we start deep diving into possibly how terrible hierarchies are as well, you know, how are hierarchies a force for good?
2: Well, I think we can start off by saying that with hierarchies, you do get a very clear um, leadership position and you can get a, a culture which people working in the organisation can can clearly relate to, which is why most companies obviously start small and that hierarchy helps them to grow and to be successful. I guess when the guys were starting Facebook, for example, that was the case and we took about some of the problems that come later, but that really I think is one of the key advantages and if you think about the animal kingdom and Darwin of course obviously all to do with evolution and the adaptability to change this is what I think as I understand it without being an expert on on rats is what they've managed to do is they've adapted to their environment and in business the environment is changing Dramatically and enormously, you know we live in a global world, every business is touched by what's happening uh, around the globe, and so you need to be able to change pretty quickly and adapt and if you 've got a strong hierarchy, then I think that kind of leadership helps you to do that. I would say it's particularly appropriate for also for research type organizations this morning i've been at the Crick Institute, which is um one of the leading institutes for promoting research, and they've got 94 different groups there working on different aspects of research, but they've got Sir Paul Nurse, who effectively is leading all of this, and there's no question about it. He is a leader, and so he can make sure that what he wants to happen does happen. Um, And these are some of the advantages, I would say,
1: Yeah. And so, Sophie, when when it comes to especially within tech companies hierarchies, naturally, when it comes to the product side and these huge project management, um, um, you know, pitches that come in and things like that. So how does hierarchy kind of foster that, you know, growth, especially when especially in tech companies growth and rapid growth is like one of the key goals?
3: I think a lot of people will argue, obviously, I spent more time in a startup space than as compared to a larger corporate where, you know, the support system is hugely, it's hugely dependent on the hierarchy of the company. But I think we forget to we forget to acknowledge that you're going to get hierarchy in any place, whether or not it's a startup or a corporate or any large organization up to 200,000 people, for instance, in every team, or or a especially in a tech company, in every small teams, there's a little hierarchy inside that we don't even mm. acknowledge and we don't um, realize them. There are, you know, when when you're trying to work in an agile way, you've also got scrum masters that are actually looking after the entire team. That's a mini hierarchy that you don't you don't again you don't see. So, I think I think the fact that we think a hierarchy means it has to be a monarchy or, or something that has a king or queen and then gets, gets um, escalated down into, into a larger or multiple layers and very complicated layers. And that's why in a startup world, we sort of abandon that traditional mentality. But it actually works in a lot of startups because in every small team up to even a five people team, you would need some sort of leadership there. And that hierarchy actually helps you maintain that. Mm. I mean, like,
1: I I actually personally really like hierarchies just because, to me, it's super efficient. There's accountability, there's layers. Yes, sometimes when companies can get huge, it can be, you know, a bit of a headache, sometimes, like, navigating the politics of bureaucracy and things like that. But effectively, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I personally think that's, you know, a more efficient way of working so everyone is aligned with one goal. But, of course, there are a lot of downsides when it comes to hierarchies as well and so especially when we've seen with some companies like the banks they're they're huge they have hundreds of thousands of employees but then we've seen right how how it can all collapse just because of um accountability hierarchy structures make it a lot more toxic i mean you've covered this quite a lot yeah i've
2: covered this a lot i've spoken (laughs) a great deal about it i mean yes Structuring a company, you've got various ways in which it can be done. It can be highly decentralised or highly centralised. If you take companies on the stock market, then there are very um, well-developed rules for how companies should behave. But the fact of the matter is that they don't behave in that way. If you look at the scandals that have happened, particularly in banks, why was it that Fred the Stred, for example was allowed to do what he was allowed to do. And the answer is because the boards of those businesses are not effective enough. That is the central and most important issue. And because there's an enormous amount of ignorance about the job of the board, and in particular the job of the independent directors, which is why I wrote this
1: when it comes to all these other companies and especially when we're talking about fintech and looking at tech um and a lot of especially in fintech want to take on the banks what i find interesting is that especially at the startup stage there's been a lot of you know it's kind of been invoked to try and get away from those structures those structures that although we're saying that it isn't necessarily the reason for this bad behaviour. But from the outside, when people want to start a new company, what they want to take on all these, um, you know, old incumbent um, institutions of whatever sector that's in, they want to have a new form of um, start a new new way of developing a culture, right, a new way to start bringing in talent, a new way to do business. And one of those is the flat structure. And I know that there's some tech companies out there that have thrived on that, because when they are in the startup stage, it kind of makes sense, right, to have a flat structure, you have, um, you know, let's say it's four people in a room doing the coding, making the branding, you want to all be equal. But so, when you've been in all these startup stages, how do you navigate creating that? And have you seen what what is the success path of a flat structure when it comes to tech?
3: I think it's really important for people to finally start to recognize that a flat structure and that word is very, very subjective. So like you say, it's it's about so if you look at the examples, it's about. Um, having a flat structure in a team or a company of four people it all actually comes down to the fact that you're empowering the people to make those decisions in the role that they're in it's about the responsibilities it's about the accountability a very strong hierarchy or a very strong flat structure simply just means that people have very clearly defined roles and responsibilities it's about empowering them to be able to make those decisions it doesn't really matter at what level you actually sit in so it's very fair to say that the startups usually will start off with a flat structure because, number one, that's the least complicated activity that you should be focusing on. Because how often does a COO come into place when you're in a, you're in a, you're in a startup, right? And, and usually it's being driven by the operations of a company because it's about running the business now, it's about running the bank now. And so, therefore, those kind of elements and responsibility falls into that, that area or that stream um, or that uh, business stream. And then at the start of a startup, it's all about, hey, we just want to make the product work. And what makes the product work is the talent that you bring in and then the developers, depending on what product you're trying to build, and then your product managers, and then you've got a CEO um, or your other leadership. It's about having the right leadership and then leading the people towards the same goals and the right aspirations. But within that structure alone, for anybody to be able to hold someone's hand and say, hey. These are all the goals here. Let's all work towards this and let's all jump onto this boat and join me on this journey, has already proven to you that there's some sort of hierarchy there that you're not seeing. Because because you want to empower people in their own in their own roles and make those decisions. Mm. But to drive a company forward to get to to attain those goals come from a hierarchy. As much as people want to say that in a startup we run flat, it's simply because, again, it's the least complicated and the least time-consuming activity that any company wants to do but it doesn't actually mean that they don't exist within internally they just don't talk about it enough so Mm -hmm. back to that point it's that subjective understanding or the awareness of how people recognize what hierarchy means you're you're absolutely spot on when you say startups want to run away from it because they they think about the baggages that they bring with them Mm. when they've left a corporate a lot of people go into a startup because number one they've left a corporate because of all these frustration and simply because they weren't they weren't autonomous they they weren't they weren't working in an agile way or they weren't empowered in their own role to make those decisions to keep the company moving forward for instance their career growth or drive something in their own power and in their own role so then they come out with frustration go into a startup and then start implementing or start thinking that the more flat it is the better it becomes because now I'm empowered to make my decisions what does that tell you it's exactly the same way of how you would run a company whether or not it's a startup or you're going through a scale up it's about empowering the people in those roles
1: I've personally worked in a flat structure before. And to be honest, it was an utter nightmare because it started (laughs) off as a, um, maybe at the startup stage, it was fine. But when it got to hundreds of people, this flat structure actually to me, and they had a big issue with behaviour because that fostered an environment where it allowed certain behaviours to actually run riot. So, for instance, if um, we talk about how it's really, um, you know, what we're saying before, that even if we say there's a flat structure, there's always hierarchies within that. The point is, if there's a flat structure, it actually masks a lot of the issues a hierarchy would have, but without that accountability. And they usually don't have boards of directors and other areas that, or like groups, because they're so priding themselves on it that it's actually been uh, terrible. But on this point, we are um, about to go on a break. So we'll pick up on this after this. So I was just talking about um flat structure and the personal nightmare that I've been through when I've had to be at uh, in a flat structure and I think the big issue is that when we were talking about before about the behaviours is that there's been some really great case studies out there as well um, like a huge uh, tech company Valve where they really prided themselves on having this flat structure but there's been ver- very public um, interviews and reports about how that structure of the company fostered very turbulent behaviours you know, working professionals that have been doing this for years and years and years would say that they felt like they're back at high school, the bullying, the kind of weird micromanagement. um, The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing because everyone's kind of secretive, but everyone is meant to be on the same playing field. But as we know, that's never the case. So, I mean, when it comes to flat structures, I mean, should it just be something that we should just ban the use of like in terms of like saying it's flat I mean from an HR point of view I mean how would you approach it if um, a new I don't know
2: uh, well, no I wouldn't company? I don't think you should ban it because I think that there are situations where it it makes sense that instead of having four or five people reporting in to a CEO for example that in order to improve the contact with the organisation and with what's going on then a broader structure is appropriate and I would argue the case that um, certainly if you've got a problem company sometimes it's because the CEO and the board for that matter is not in really in touch with the business and you've got you haven't got a flat enough reporting organisation in and if you do that Um, then that means you've got a much greater capability to know what's going on. I think it's particularly important in global businesses, for example, that you get that kind of coverage and that kind of geographic um, involvement from different parts of the world. And one of the ways of doing that is to have quite a broad-ranging structure so you would have, obviously, the functions reporting into the CEO, finance director, um, HR, um, IT and so on, but then you've got, shall we say, five parts of the world you're doing business in, then I would be in favor of having all of those represented on the board, because they've all got different issues. I mean, it's very different doing business in Asia. I've been on the board of a a Japanese company. It is extremely, um, well, all I can say is that there are unique challenges involved there that are completely different, shall we say, from Europe or from the Middle East, or from the US. So any type of um, global business, and more and more businesses are becoming global, whether they're local or not, you need to have that. And I think a flat structure does have its advantages in those type of circumstances.
3: Can we just go back to the point that when people say structure, what do they actually Mm. mean you you can have a organizational design that that creates different kind of teams with different kind of structure and then there are people talking about the future of work because more and more satellite offices are being being Mm. opened up there are more and more remote work and also part of creating a work-life balance or part of creating um, well-being for your employees include the fact that you're allowing your employees to go and actually work remotely in their own spare time or how does that how does that foster that kind of culture But more importantly, when you think about the culture, the culture culture of a company is consistently evolving. This is what we always say. But also there are a huge amount of elements that goes into building out the right kind of culture. Number one, there's leadership. What's your ethos, your principles, your values of the company and what your leadership Mm. is driving forward? And then there is that structure, which means, do you want it to be hierarchical? Do you want it to be minimized in that way? Or is that flat? What does flat mean to us? Does it mean that there's no reporting line? Eventually, someone needs to report to someone, either on a day-to-day basis, but most importantly, you're talking about people being, being in the, their roles and then have clearly defined roles and responsibilities, but then also having another person as a support system. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a line manager, which is tra- traditionally mm. what people say about hierarchy. But what about having a peer support? That's a support system that we often forget because we think too far ahead that everybody needs to have a line manager that's going to give them a promotion, talk about salary rises, mm. talk about my career growth. How often people go outside of their their internal um, support system to go and get a career coach. I'm doing one of them for 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 my network. It's because they simply don't have that support system internally, especially in a startup. And that's why people take that off context and they take that misunderstanding of having a flat structure to be a bad one and not beneficial. Again, it goes back to how much you're empowering your employees. The one thing that usually breaks a culture, no matter what kind of structure you have, is internal communication. And when Mm. it comes to internal communication, it doesn't matter what kind of structure you have. Is it flat? Is it hierarchical? Because, back to your point, when you were in a flat structure, the left hand was not talking to the right hand simply because your internal communication channel was broken. So it's very, very hard to say that one structure or one form of element is going to break or make your your, your company successful just based on the culture alone. Your culture is built on people and the way they, they their habits, their behaviours and how they react with each other when they're in a working environment. And all of that, all the things that I've just listed out is going to form the kind of culture that you want and not necessarily just rely on whether or not it's a flat or hierarchical structure for the company. So that's a really
1: interesting point, because when it comes to, let's say, the unit of having a board of directors, I mean, effectively, how does this weave into how a company can be best run? So what are, you know, what is the point of a board of directors, but what has actually been happening? Because in your book, you're talking about how, you know, there's an effective way of using that board, and a lot of people haven't been doing that. So, what is the difference there, and how does the how do they actually, you know, weave into the narrative of about creating a culture and being efficient as a company?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, it's, it's really being clear about what is the job of the board, what is the job of the board, and um, that has, I think, a great deal to do with the particular sector which you happen to be in and the size of the business and where you are in the world and whether it's a global business or not but generically speaking we can say first and foremost the job of the board is to have a very successful strategy for the board worked out okay interestingly the latest research by mckinsey demonstrates that 60 to 70 percent of the time the board just nods strategy through in other words, the board is not really sufficiently engaged with working out what the strategy should be for that business. That's the McKinsey results, so say. So point number one is strategy. Point number two is to do with the challenges of, of globalisation and how to deal with those challenges because we live in a more global world. Everybody knows that. But how do you deal with those? If you've got a board, for example, which is made up of people who have never stepped out of the country in which they happened to be, then that's a big problem. I mean, I used to go to the US, for example, when I was on the board of Quintiles, and the biggest issue I ever had was to talk to the board about the fact that what they wanted to do would work in the US but would not work in Europe, for instance, or wouldn't work in Japan. So you have to have, therefore, a board that really understands the global world in which we, we live. And you take then the whole issue of digital challenges, for instance. Big, big issue for lots of businesses. They do not really know how to deal with the challenges of social media. They don't. Um, And I'm not suggesting it's easy, but that's another aspect of strategy which has not really been worked out, which is the job of the board. Next point, the job of the board is to deal with, with risk management. Let me give you a practical example. I was deputy chairman at Fourth Ports, Ports and Property Company in Scotland. And we had a proposal that ships in in that particular part of the world should be allowed to transfer oil offshore. In other words, instead of the ships docking and the, the oil then being discharged in refineries, they wanted to do it at sea. Why? Because it was cheaper. The executive team wanted to do that. So we as a board are faced with the fact that the local population in Fife were up in arms about it, didn't want it. Why? Because you imagine if suddenly there was an oil slick, all the damage to the beaches and the wildlife and so on. So it's the job of the board to look at that risk and to say, do we think it's in the best interest of the company and its shareholders long term or not? And we decided it wasn't. Then you've got all the moral issues which the board is faced with every day. Let's talk, for example, about what's happening in Saudi at the moment. Should a company be represented at this big investment event that's just taken place or not, for instance? That's a board decision, a very, very important one. Second issue would be, for example, if we think about Primark, they're buying, for instance, all over the world. The conditions that people are working in Uh, in China, should they be concerned about that or not? If they've got employees working around the world, should they be concerned about that or not? Come back to Keller and the whole issue of the risks of health and safety. I visited India to see what our standards of health and safety were in India. They were very troubling. We had, in one year, four people die around the globe. That's a matter for the board to be concerned about, so, therefore, the board's job is to do with strategy, it's to do with globalisation, it's to do with risk management, it's to do with making sure you've got the best executive team and to make sure you've got succession organised. It's to do with the fact that you want to have the best advisers really helping you. So that these are really some of the things that the job of the board is about. And if you look at the scandals... And why we've got scandals is because the board didn't do its job effectively. It did not do its job.
1: So I think like what's a you know good point to like take here is that, you know, within usual traditional hierarchical companies, we've obviously um, the board of directors side as, you know, a key component of that. But what I'm interested in as well, so like especially on the tech side, is that the way tech stru- like the usual structures going, like so. we talked about, sometimes it's the flat structure and they start putting some hierarchy in it. Um, and the role of the board of directors is obviously to try and um, you know, have all those tick points. But is there a point though that then trying to put in a board of directors into let's say whether it's the ubers of the world or other tech companies like not just uber but you know they've they've had a lot of culture issues um because of the way leadership has been and the way they've been structured as well um, and has allowed certain things to happen within uber and again uh, listeners it's not just about uber but good example um the when they've started bringing on board members like board of directors it seems a little bit too late i mean it they they've brought in some big names from other companies to act as their board
3: but do will do they really make a difference when you get to that stage i think it absolutely does i've been i've been very lucky to actually have been working with board members or board of directors that has been very very helpful from the very start so Back to Jerry's point, it's about whether or not you actually have the effective board of directors in place because most of the time, the board of directors are being seen as the people with the most diverse experience. They would either come from an investor background, so Mm -hmm. therefore they've got diverse portfolios. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to globalization, your operations or your CEO will think that you wanna bring the company into three different locations at at a single time. And your board of directors should always always be advising on how the strategy should look like because they've seen it work or they've seen some things not work so therefore their advice are absolutely valuable in making sure that that's happening in the right way at the end of the day they are also investors but I've also been lucky enough to work with board members where they've got a vast amount of experience multiple different kind of industries a variety of experience that brings into how my thought process has become what it is today the second and third degree um thinking all came from learning from these people's experience and I think that's very very important so back to your point when you see that there's a cultural shift that isn't actually working it isn't necessarily because one I would say that maybe there has been the right advice that's been given but ultimately the people executing it with the right intentions weren't the right people to execute so therefore it's the company's fault. Then on the other hand, you've got ineffective board of directors that just weren't given um, enough strategy points or even driving the strategy forward. So I've actually been on both sides of of the coin, but I've also been lucky enough to work with people that have actually at the same time driven the strategy together, seen the company grow and also driving my own career forward Mm -hmm. because where else would I learn from if not from the most diverse people? Absolutely.
2: The unfortunate thing is that um, I think business is a bit um, slow in this regard. I'm working at the moment with Handy Business School and we're looking at some of these issues in the health service with the NHS, with universities, with charities and sport, who've got major challenges, sport, housing, governance. And I've commissioned research we're now getting the results through. Interestingly enough, in the case of charities, 50% of the board members are women. In the case of universities, it's 60-40. In the case of the NHS, it's 60-40. These are not easy institutions to direct and manage and govern. But they have, I would say, got more diverse boards than companies have. Companies are, I would say, quite... They're pretty conservative, um, especially in the world of private equity, which I spend a lot of my time in. I chair a private equity fund, so uh, where normally they will be... Extremely, um, I would say, careful uh, about choosing people who've really got the essential experience they need from the particular sector which they happen to be in. So they won't take a broader view of recruitment, partly because, frankly, they don't have the experience. Most people involved in private equity have spent their lives in the financial world. Absolutely. So, and as a consequence, therefore, you do end up with not getting as diverse boards as you should have and one of the causes for the scandals we've had is the fact that we've not had in business diverse enough boards.
1: And I think that's a really good uh, point on in terms of diversity because why does that happen? I mean some of the pitfalls in the terms of you know when it does come to hierarchical structures especially is that when Uh, if you look at it, it always ends up being a pyramid. We've covered this in some of the other podcasts where, you know, one of the biggest issues on diversity is not just about gender, but also all the intersectionality when it comes to, like, ethnic minorities and LGBTQ and all these different experiences, because when you go up into that pyramid, into that um, hierarchy, um, the further you go up, the less women there are, the less um, ethnic minorities there are. And so by the time it does get to board level, it's there's no one really left, not because there aren't women out there, but it's it's mainly because all these uh, different factors has stopped them getting to a senior level to therefore be at a point in their career that they can get into that very high level of seniority. Um, when it comes to uh, structures and companies, what's kind of the ideal? What, what, is, what can we take away in terms of learning from each way of working and different um, aspects to it um, that can create this ideal utopian company that we all strive to
3: you know, be in or create? I, th- I think it the one thing to take away and I hope for the best for all the startups out there because it does drive me crazy to see that some of them are still not getting it. I think it's so important for, for especially startups when you're starting up, recognise that it's OK to be flat, but also recognise and be aware that you're eventually going to be a hierarchy. And it's okay to do so because you need to make sure that you've got the right structure in place. You've got the right um, guidelines in place or the guardrails to ensure that your company continues to scale. And this doesn't mean that you're moving into back into rigidity, which you have basically, you know, flee away from. And it's okay because it's about the fact that you're trying to improve yourself each and every step of the way. I've been in different kinds of companies that has ver- various different kind of um, guardrails that they put in, but the structure is exactly the same is how well you want your structure to be effective and also please recognize what your culture is. What do your people want? If you have decided that the company culture should be one of those that you call fully autonomous, which means technically create a co- create a culture and create a structure to empower them to make decisions, because that's what true autonomy means. If you put them in an autonomous role and then expect them not to make decisions and overpower them, and also at the same time supersede their decisions, then you've just literally d- destroyed your own culture. So it's not a about having the culture where or having a structure where people have someone to report to it's about making sure that you're creating the right support system for your company as it continues to scale back to your point whether or not there's going to be a fine line between flat and hierarchy every company will have to move into a hierarchical state but make sure it's as effective as it can be and i can almost guarantee you if you were to Turn the clock back and have that conversation before when you were in a when you were Mm. in a flat structure and you were empowered to make decisions in your role. And apart from like crying somewhere in a corner, (laughs) exactly, and feeling no support because feeling no support is the loneliest thing to feel when you, especially when you're in an environment like Mm. that. So without that support system, it doesn't matter if it's flat or hierarchical. It just means that your people aren't empowered to do their role effectively. And that's far more important than than actually understanding whether or not you need a flat or hierarchy because those are just words. Oh, I feel so empowered.
1: That was great. Okay, well, thank you very much, you guys, for joining the show today. It's been a fantastic topic to uh, digest. And listeners, don't forget, you can find show notes and helpful articles under the Work and Management channel on uk.finance.yahoo.com. And if you liked this episode, please rate, subscribe and tell your friends about us. And while you're at it, download the Yahoo Finance app for unparalleled access to data and alerts on the go.
0: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There, produced by Liana Brinded and Caitlin Mercer, recorded, edited, and mixed by Lolita Laguna, and music by Gregory Moore. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods